It's us, and it's you, and welcome to the first episode of a new season, everybody. Yay! All right, now, before we get to anything, we got to bring back an old friend, our good buddy, Tony the Tiger. Personal friend. (laughs) Great personal friend, Anthony the Tiger. Johnson. (laughs) So as you know, we, uh, in the fall, did a bunch of uh, goals of the week. And then we had Steve kind of reach back into the vault, but because we want to focus on the future, we're mostly just going to do goals of the week so far. And so Steve, I mean, we're going to pull from last night's Leafs Habs game. Tell us about your favorite goal. The one that made you and probably Tony scream out loud in your living room. Well, uh, the overtime goal is the easy one. So I'm not going to pick it. Why would I ever do that? Have I ever done anything the easy way? No. Uh, so what I'm going to go with is a goal that I think is going to be a sign of things to come in this Leaf season and something that they can build on. And that's the first goal of the season. John Tavares off the faceoff, Nylander to Hall to Nylander goal. It wasn't just the shot and it and how good it was. It wasn't just that Willie seems to have added a slap shot to uh, his little bag of toys. That was a bit of a half clapper. Mm -hmm. It's how difficult the Leafs are, how heavy they are in front of the net. We talk about toughness and it's far too general. We think about it as hits. We think about it as fighting. No, you just got to be unpleasant to play against in front of the net. The Leafs shot under 3% in their five-game series against the Columbus Blue Jackets. You can just say, oh, well, it's goaltending, it'll bite you. Or you can make it difficult on the goaltender which is what the Leafs did last night, and it's what they did on this goal. John Tavares and Jimmy Vc wreaking havoc. Willie with the snipe. And to me, that's my celly of the week, friends. That's your celly of the week. Celebrate with Frosted Flakes. flakes. (laughs) Let him don't interrupt Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Celebrate with Frosted Flakes. You cut Jesse off. I'm not letting you cut off Tony. I know, I know. (laughs) Who cares what Tony's picks are either? You know what I'm saying? He is a 700-pound Sumatran tiger, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still not playing uh, goal with the Leafs. I'm just, or sorry, defense with the Leafs. I'm upset. Probably should be. Also, I think he's. I think he was offside. Just throwing that out there for anybody who remembers. First of all, he, was no, he wasn't. Second of all, Lou would have signed him. That's true. Very, very true. Mark now, Hunter definitely would have. Another segment we're going to bring back because it is the start of the season, and this one goes unsponsored. There was a sponsor with this at one point, and the reason we built this feature is because the sponsor was coming on board. However, the sponsor is not here. The feature, though, people have been asking about it. Yeah, so let's bring back. We but don't care. Just we do didn't. It. Yeah, we don't care. What the hell? We'll do it anyway. I would like to make up a sponsor each episode. Okay. All right. Well, then who? Let's bring. Let's start with who wore the crown today? Jesse Blake, sponsored by uh, dryer sheets. Mm. Dryer sheets are an underrated invention. You need them every time you dry your clothes to avoid the wrinkles, and they go unappreciated. I'm so happy that they uh, came on board this episode to sponsor the segment. Just all dryer sheets. All, of all dryer of sheets. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But we're making Never. so much money off this, guys. Oh, it's just yeah. crazy. We're so wealthy. E- even, uh, though, even the dryer sheets that, like, when you put on a shirt, you find one in your shirt. And you're like, hey, dryer oh. sheet. Hey. Mm-hmm. Hey, I see you in there doing your work. I see you. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> you putting in work, dryer sheet. That's crazy that you got all the way in there. Thank you for drying that particular portion mm-hmm. of my garment of clothing. Now, um, who wore the crown 
Uh, I'm going to go Jesse last on this one. And, oh and the reason I'm going to do that is because I feel like he might have the best answer. So I'm going to start with Steve. Steve, you're our leadoff batter. Tell us, who wore the crown for you for the Toronto Maple Leafs last night in Montreal or in Toronto against Montreal? I, 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 I cannot do that for you, Adam. I can't um, because I can't focus until you uh, – you got to put the pins up there, buddy. The pins? What, what kind of bowling alley is this? You got to put the pins up. What do you I'm mean? dying. I'm dying to say it, and you won't let me say it. What? What? Jesse, you I'm know missing, what? Jesse, what am I missing? Do you not know? I, I don't know. I have the no idea what you're, you're talking about. It's two words that I need to say. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Yes. No. Dryer sheets, that is not no, their I will die race. mad about it no. if you don't hey, let me say it. No. You know what? Why not what? add some dryer sheets no. to your your laundry? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jesse, you work in the sponsor. I'll work in the 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 end of the read with the why not. All right, How's so that sound? yeah, each episode I'll set you up with a new sponsor, okay. and then you do whatever. I'll you do the need to the, do. the announcer read. Okay, I thought awesome. I was gonna pass out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you have you considered an engagement ring lately? Why not? Why um, not <laughs> get engaged because the radio ad told you to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steven, tell us who wore your crown last night, my friend. Uh, I am going to go with anticipating Jesse's answer. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Wayne Simmons. Wayne I'm, I'm, Simmons, interesting choice. Now, why Wayne? Well, because his fight changed the tide of the game. No, um, I think that is far too easy of an answer. Uh, I do like that he fought. It made me feel better. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like I was I was sad that they were down three one, and immediately I'm like texting all my friends. I'm like, huh? <laughs> Wayne Wayne Train Wayne Train got no fight. That was pretty cool. But he had two glorious scoring chances in this game that went completely untalked about. That's right. Uh, the uh, and, the they would have been two dump ins basically, right? Just uh, right around it, the net. I don't I don't know how he missed the one of them. Uh, the yeah. the first one with Spezza. Uh, oh my god. I know, but uh, what I will say. Those are going to go in. And we were talking about Wayne Train like he was completely washed. Um, he lacked the tools that got him his name. And in that game, I saw a player with lots of tools. Um, he was faster than I thought. Uh, he was gritty. He was hard to move. And yeah, he threw a few punches. But I think if he continues to play like that, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect a dozen, you know, 15 goals, something like that out of Wayne Train. If you don't count a fight as a part of the play, the best play I think Wayne Simmons made last night was pushing Shea Weber off the puck on the back check. Mm. You know? Uh, which one was that? That's where Wayne, Shea Weber was coming in on the Leafs net and, and Wayne just straight up pushed him pushed him off. off. Like, and you got to think, Shea Weber, you don't remember that? No, I think I do remember that, I'm saying. I, okay, um, yeah. I, Wayne, a, he, like, he was really noticeable. He was. He absolutely was. I'm just putting my phone on Do Not Disturb so it doesn't buzz again. Um, so Wayne Simmons for Steve Dangle. Okay. So my pick's going to be, um, uh, I think, um, one that, I mean, it's pretty easy. Um, I got to say, it was really nice to see Morgan Riley be able to be Morgan Riley last night. Now, I know yeah. we got the winning goal. I know we got the winning goal. But let's be honest. Morgan Riley just positionally was in the right place to score the winning goal. That was all Tavares. What I loved about Morgan Riley's game was he was able to play the best type of Morgan Riley game that he rarely gets to play because he rarely gets to play with anybody good. And so uh, TJ, uh, TJ Brody seems to be at least, well, listen, we're gaming 
the the you know we could talk we're gonna break down the game after this but morgan riley to me looked like morgan riley from two seasons ago when he scored 70 points and that is exciting uh jesse blake this one for me is not a difficult one no no i'm just gonna say it it's william nylander oh no way deserves the crown for this game and it's not it's not even because of the two goals even more so than the two goals the apple the apple on the Jimmy VC goal. Yes. And Steve, you put it you put it perfectly in your LFR this afternoon, which uh, everybody was waiting. Uh, like it felt like a week for you to release. Finally came out around. Are, noon. are you rusty, Steve? By the way, is that what happened? <laughs> Yo, are you as rusty I as made, the least looked? I made a lot of mistakes, bro. <laughs> it was, <laughs> so it was a bit rusty. It. Uh, I'm glad I make these alone because if I had a coworker for those, uh, someone would have strangled me for sure. Okay. So right. in, Sorry, that continue, rusty, in that rusty LFR, the Leafs fan rusty reaction. <laughs> you made you made a terrific point about Kyle Dubas's words and what how Nylander uh, exemplified them in his play to VC when the mm. puck bounced off of the ref. What did you say, Steve? Uh I said, oh, it's got to be about winning habits. They were talking about winning habits uh, before this season. Now, that's bad luck for the Montreal Canadiens and good luck for the Toronto Maple Leafs that the puck hit the ref. Uh, But that's like when the puck takes a funny bounce. Jonathan Drouin saw the official there. He tried to backhand the puck off the glass and around which he's done a thousand times and he's more than capable of. He was not able to do it because William Nylander took time and space away from him. Now, in a lot of instances, maybe the official won't even be there and he doesn't have to, you know, flip it out with pinpoint accuracy, but that's the situation. The ref is part of the play. That's the NHL. That's the NHL. Shit happens. It should just be called shit happens, but you can't put that decal on a helmet. Like it's it that is what the league is, basically. And shit happens. Scotiabank shit happens. And William Nylander uh, made his own luck on Mm. that play. And I think the the winning habit is hard work. So and I think I tried to hammer home the point. What was it 56 games we got to last year, whatever it was? 70, 50, 71. Oh, not many. 71 times last year with the crown. That well, the narrative of William Nylander being a lazy quote player, I think we need to we need to get rid of that. And like game one, it's already gone away. I, I just want to throw this at you, Jesse, just before you keep going here. On that point, I had somebody, I read a tweet yesterday saying, uh, it was a reply to me because I, w- I was going at all of my friends who are not William Nylander fans last night because it was an easy game to do. And somebody tweeted and replied back to me and said, oh, yeah, well, maybe if you worked harder, not just showing up, stati- showing up well statistically. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could go out there and work hard and not show up well statistically right. if that's what you want. I but I don't think you want me to. man <laughs> argument, you know? I would love to know the laziest <laughs> scoring title ever. Who is the latest, uh, the laziest player to ever win the Art Ross? Just didn't try, <laughs> didn't no care. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? exactly. I would like title. to know the laziest player to ever make the NHL because, you know, it takes no effort to do that. Right. Oh, <laughs> just kind of... Uh, 
I'm not saying guys aren't lazy sometimes up there, but honestly, so sorry, Jesse continue. Yeah. Just to wrap up my point, you, when you work hard, you get three points on the first game of the night. When you work hard, things show up like, Hey, I forced that guy to shoot the puck up the boards and hit the ref. Uh, You're in the right place for two goals. William Nylander, he worked all summer on that slap shot, that little half slap. I don't know what it is, but it looks great. It reminds me of how Austin Matthews every summer adds a new like trick. I hope William Nylander becomes that star where it's like every year we get a new addition to his game. I'm still going to be waving the flag and leading the train on the fan club and started with game one. It started great. So my crown goes to William Nylander. There you go. And that uh, wraps up who wore the crown for this episode. Uh, The next time you're drying your sheets, why not? Why not? Use a dryer sheet because they're helpful. I'm so happy. Any brand will do. Uh, okay, so getting into uh, last night's game, obviously 5-4 Leafs over the Habs. And by the way, I, I should line up the show too. We're going to do Leafs-Habs. We're going to talk Canucks-Oilers. We're going to talk Penn Flyers and all the other games. We also have Ian Mendez coming on in about 10 minutes here to discuss his move and also to tee up the game against the Ottawa Senators that the Leafs have a back-to-back Friday and Saturday. Uh, and also <laughs> later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, John Tortorella and Pierre-Luc Dubois and some comments in the media. And... Jesse versus Dom LeCision. Charts are dumb. Debate. That's what the debate is. <laughs> so we're excited about that. Here's a lifetime uh, worth of research versus no. Yeah. yeah exactly. I wish I had my mug today. Oh, I know. I should have brought oh, it out. It's somewhere in the right. cupboard. So, um, <laughs> so I'm sitting there in the third period last night, guys, and I was thinking, I'm like, no matter how this game ends, this is going to be a great game. Yes. Like it was, it really, if, if the, if the Habs had won in, uh, in, in regulation time and the Leafs didn't get a single point, I still would have said that was a great game. A little sloppy on both sides, but fun, entertaining. And you could tell they're not going to like each other very much by the end of the season. That's cool. I like that. And it's going to be a battle. This is the first time since I want to say maybe 2002, 2003, where the Leafs and the Canadians are good basically at the same time. The same and I'm talking really good at the same time. What a, uh, uh, what an addition Josh Anderson has been, by the way, that was, mm-hmm. boy, did he ever show that he was worth at least the first couple years of his contract last night. That was awesome. Well, I got a, I got a tweet after the first goal he scored. Oh, that contract's terrible. And I'm like, okay how about game five man like yeah. <laughs> how about 10 minutes in to the first yeah. game you know? there were lots of people who were jacked that david clarson got suspended for 10 games remember that yeah, do, so. you know who had two goals in their debut with the leafs patrick marlowe owen nolan chill yeah. Just wait a sec. Yeah, we'll give it a minute. Uh, the Leafs get into a bit of penalty trouble in the first. Zach Bogosian had a couple of bad penalties last night. Yeah. Uh, but it was the Jimmy VC, Zach Hyman, too many men thing that that uh, uh, that led to the first Montreal power play slash goal. And it's funny, when I was watching that, I was thinking, man, this is just a throwback to the same stupid shit that we that we keep harping on. Dumb penalties from bad defensemen. Let's let's be honest. Zach Bogosian did not have a great game last night. Yeah, and, game. But we don't expect. I don't expect Zach Bogosian to come in and have a great game. By you know, I, I think that's that's asking. Like he is a he is the six seven guy. That's what he he's there for, and that's fine. I I hope that he plays well. Uh, I hope that he plays Tampa Bay in the finals well. But the all the same, the expectations on him should be limited. I do think watching that though, I thought, man, like. How do you give a guy ice time when he's taking penalties like that? Especially in the second period, 
grabbing, um, I forget which Montreal talking Yemi, talking Yemi, like clutching, clutching grab hasn't been a thing for like 15 years. You can't do that. You're going like to get a penalty every time, hundred yeah. percent. And then of course, um, I can understand the Jimmy VC penalty, but how many bench miners did the Leafs used to get under Mike Babcock? Right. Oh, a thousand. It's, you know, they were talking about, is that Hyman's fault for playing it? Is that VC's fault for not paying attention to Hyman beyond being off? It was a terrible pass. I think it was uh, McKayev. Yeah, you don't shoot it into the bench when guys are changing. There's a trade. No. Yeah, yeah. Like, what? There's no, there's no reason for that. But I, you know, it's, I, I don't remember the play exactly. But maybe there was pressure on him, like Nylander drew in. You get pressured into doing dumb things. I, I don't know. But uh, the they, I, the Leafs are down three one, and I'm like, oh boy, you know, are they in trouble? What's going on here? And then I. I like took a breath. I'm like, okay, try to remember everything that's happened so far. And I thought about the game and I'm like, okay, they're playing with the Habs. They're fine. Like they're trading chances. They're with each other. But at one point, the penalties were three to nothing. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose so many, (laughs) such a high percentage of the time. If you're taking three penalties in the first half of the game, doesn't matter how the second half of the game goes. You're not going to be able to come back from three, one every night. Um, and you can't put it all on Bogosian, although he was definitely the worst defender. And their penalty kill was frigging awful. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. So that's the thing I want to see worked on the most. It's five on five. Riley got walked the one time, you know. And that's going to happen. That's going to happen. A player like Nick Suzuki, it's going to happen. Yeah, like it, they weren't perfect, but the, the penalty kill was awful. And with no exhibition games and the amount of turnover they had, like I was thinking about it. I was talking in the video today. Andreas Janssen was part-time. Um, Engvall was part-time. Kapanen was a critical part of their penalty kill. Cody Cece, you don't have to like him, but like he played half their penalty kill time. So they're, you know, trying Matthews on it for the first time ever. Spezza's in there taking face-offs. Bogosian was supposed to be out there, and then he couldn't be because he was on the penalty or uh, in the penalty box. So much turnover and basically, you know, no time to practice. I'm not surprised that they look like crap. Yeah, it's just a lot of turnover, a lot of changes. Um, uh, I think, you know, the thing that that freaked me out a little bit was the fourth goal that Freddie Anderson led in in the, th- in the third period. His that Josh Anderson... One. Yeah, yeah, it should. I mean, yes, he's entitled to it, but I have to give him credit. The rest of the way stood tall. Like that was a, it was a very solid Freddie performance after that. And I guess, you know, that's when they needed him really the most. Uh, It was frustrating to see a goal like that go in though, because those are the ones that kill the Leafs. And those are the ones that have killed the Leafs in the playoffs. There have been so many Freddie, Freddie miscue goals in the playoffs in the last four years. And I understand that they have had terrible defense, but all the same, you and I know, you know, you watching as many Leaf games as we have, that Freddie Anderson is prone to that from time to time. It's it's fair to say after five Josh years. Josh Anderson beat Tavares on that play, but like yeah. Tavares did a good enough of a job to, you know, it's like, a, it's a backhander. Yeah. It's a backhander wide. And it... Come on, Freddie. You, you got to be stopping those. But again, first. What did you guys? Had, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jess. What did you guys think of the? Uh, just to go on your uh, penalty killing conversation there. What did you guys think of the first intermission discussion where they were kind of unhappy with Matthews on the penalty kill because they don't want him out there blocking shots? Well, by they you mean Brian Burke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brian Burke didn't want Burke it. The rest of them seemed yeah. open. 
they were yeah. they were okay with it. They weren't all on board though. I and Berkey, Berkey's not saying that because he doesn't think uh, Matthews will do a good job. He's saying that because he doesn't want him blocking a Shea Weber shot and then being out for two months. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. But someone was like. Uh, I saw someone tweet like, oh, you would never say that, though, about Anze Kopitar, or you would never say that about Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And or to Jonathan that I would Taze. Say, Doesn't Jonathan yeah. Taze kill penalties from time to time? Or Jonathan Taze. Uh, probably. I'm sure he has. I mean, they call him one of the better defensive centers in the league. There must be a reason. Yeah. And like Patrice Bergeron and, yeah. you know, Ryan Kessler back when he was playing. But to that, I would say that's what those guys do. You know, if Matthews could have been that, if you made him do that. You know what I mean? That's Kopitar is a purely two-way center. Um, Ryan O'Reilly, he can't do what Matthews can do. He can't. Matthews is going to be, you know, 30 or sorry, 40 to 50 goals in an 82 game season all the time. Um, So it, it terrifies me, but he should also be able to play. Mm -hmm. So I think they made too big a deal of it um, on the panel. You got to have something to talk about though. (laughs) Yeah. But, but like they had him out there because he's good at face-offs. He didn't do well in this one. Um, They had Spets out there for the same reason, but he didn't end up getting caught in his own zone because he didn't lose his face-offs. You know, Matthew's out there for a draw. Maybe he gets caught out there sometimes. He's there for one fire drill and then goes off. I don't have a problem with that. The Leafs had two full well, okay, if you don't count Spets's eight seconds, they had two full-time centers on the penalty kill in Matthews and Kerfoot. Is Sheldon Keefe all right? Is he, when was the last time the Leafs had two centers full-time penalty killing? I think it was the year they finished last. I'm serious. Because um, who would that have been? Jared Smithson and oh like hi Ian. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> jay mcclement jared Smithson. uh welcoming ian mendez from the athletic on ian can you hear us i got you you guys got All me right. yeah, yeah we, we got, got you. you sound great there we go look at this oh man so we're so excited ian we've been following your career forever man so it's nice to finally have you on that's a nice way of calling me old <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, old Ian Mendez. Or, there we go. Old Ian Mendez. Uh, listen, Ian, uh, congratulations Mendes. on the move. Obviously, you know, there's, you know, it's a huge move in your career. Um, and you're going to be following uh, the Sens for The Athletic and doing a podcast. Steve, what did you want to say there? I guess I cut you off. Oh, just Adam and I loved following you when we were in high school. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when was when was the because you had a video go viral? Uh, I think it was back when you were with Sportsnet. So that was like several, you know, one of the three places you could work ago. Um, when when did you get hit by that baseball during batting practice? That was uh, that was World Series 2012. World Series, uh, San Francisco and Detroit. Uh, covering that, uh, actually, I covered that World Series with a Rash Madani. Wow! Okay. Yeah, great dude. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Yeah. Who hit the ball? <laughs> Still don't know. Like it just came out of nowhere, and uh, I kind of had my back to the field, back to the, uh, you know, uh, where batting practice was taking place. And this thing comes out of nowhere and like rockets down, hits me right on the ankle. It was the ankle bone that it hit me. Uh, I wish it was, uh, you know, a tougher place or something, but it hit me on the ankle bone and mm-hmm. had to suck it up. And, uh, it ended up going viral. I think I, I checked it out the other day cause I'm teaching a, a journalism class now and it has uh, just over 2 million views. So that like, that's Whoa, my, that's wow. my peak moment. 
Jeez. Wow. Imagine if Twitter was as big as it is now back then. Like you would have been international news even more so. You would have been on Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, no. I'd be I'd be Marilyn Dennis. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Come on. <laughs> That's really reaching for the stars, Ian. Let's not yeah, get that. That's the Canadian version. <laughs> Uh, so okay let's let's talk about this senator's team in a second first eugene melnick just it starts the season with a with a big old tweet and uh on the day that doug ford premier of ontario uh for anybody that's not from here listening announces a lockdown and a stay-at-home order for literally everybody in the province 14 million people or whatever it is ian uh uh, what was the reception in Ottawa, and what are your what's your understanding of how this happened? Because it seems like Eugene Melnick does have a PR person. He just doesn't give them the heads up when he's going to tweet something. So here's my theory on this, and I have no way of knowing if this is how it played out. That reeked of like a scheduled tweet, like almost okay. like like maybe somebody else runs his account and. They're like, hey, the day before the season starts, let's make sure we put out uh, this thing. And I, I think it, the horse left the barn and people are like, what on earth is like, it couldn't be more tone deaf, right? Let, let's be honest here. We were like 90 minutes away from what was going to be um, serious lockdowns put in place by the uh, the Ford government. And then Eugene Melnick's like, hey, we got a plan for 6,000 people to come into Canadian Tire Center. Like, there's no way that he would have done that on purpose. No way. I, like, there's no way. So that, that would be my theory on that. And it, the way that that landed in this market was the same way I'm sure it landed in the GTA and everywhere else where people are like, there's, come on, there's no way. And I've had it on very good authority that there is no way that the, this province is going to revisit any guidelines around the NHL this season. So like this season goes into May. I've been told, even if the numbers improve and we're in April, don't expect to see limited amount of fans at uh, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto or Canadian Tire Centre in Ottawa. Ain't going to happen. No way, no how. Okay. And that kind of makes sense, right? It's sort of low on the priority list when we consider what's going on. It's just, you know what, Ian? It's, it's because Eugene has built a public brand that he doesn't like to admit to that it was... I know, I know it, 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 it smelled to you like a scheduled tweet. To me, it's like, that seems like Eugene. Like his timing is always bad. And uh, I, I just, you know, obviously somebody jumped on afterwards and said, we better take that down. Um, is, there, is there any sort of, uh, any sort of reason that that would have even needed to come out? Like, do you, like why, do, why did, and we couldn't talk, we couldn't figure this out on the show. Why does he think that anybody would care? You know what? It's a great question. Listen, where I will give Eugene Malik a little bit of credit, like he's his background is in pharmaceuticals. So if yes. anybody might actually have an idea of how you could logistically pull this off with rapid testing or whatever, like he would theoretically be of the owners of the National Hockey League in Canada. He might be the most well-connected, well-versed on that front. So I think that's probably, and what here's what's even weirder about the whole thing. So he put that, he's got a brand new um, website out now, eugenemalnick.com, where he's going to be putting all of his thoughts and, and uh, ideas. That came out on, I want to say it was the 4th of January, something like that, January 3rd or 4th. I didn't see it. I, I, I didn't even know about it until the tweet from earlier this week that certainly uh, brought attention to it. So I think in his mind, he's thinking, when we get the green light, I'm going to be the guy that's going to be able to 
you know, f- safely facilitate that. And I know I'm wait. We're I'm just waiting for the insert joke here about six thousand Ottawa fans. You guys go ahead. Uh, no, 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 whatever you no. need to do. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, we know that they can draw six. It's the it's it's uh it, that's no problem. I think it's more like um I, I I don't even think like Ottawa never had an attendance issue until things started to kind of go south with ownership. It seems like they're, they're kind of sending a message that they're, they're fed up with this stuff. So it was just a very interesting turn of events. Now, the team itself, Pierre Dorian's done a pretty great job uh, turning this franchise around. Um, and obviously, they're probably not there yet. But what do you expect to see out of the Ottawa Senators this year, Ian? Um, and when the Leafs play them Friday and Saturday night, what kind of team are they up against? Well, I think, you know what, honestly, I watched that Montreal Toronto game on Wednesday night, like opening night. And my first thought is, wow, this was really entertaining, really fast paced and really skilled. And Ottawa's defense is going to have a hard time with this. Like this is going to be the Senators biggest issue this season, guys, is they just don't have the depth on the back end. They have some nice kids coming. Jake Sanderson, Jacob Bernard Docker, some kids that um, they're pretty high on will be part of their, uh, their future. They're not here yet. And so you've got Eric Goodbranson, uh, you've got uh, your old, old pal Nikita Zaitsev. You've got uh, Josh Brown. Like th- those are those are three guys on the right side. And now I'm thinking about Mitchell Marner and John Tavares and Austin Matthews and, and you know these guys Friday and Saturday back to back. It's going to be a real challenge. So the one thing you're going to see uh, in these games, look, Ottawa's got a lot more talent now. They've got Dadnov. They've got Timmy Stutzla. They've got a little bit more offensive flair. What they don't have, I think quite yet is the ability to defend and that's going to be tough. And then now we're going to see Matt Murray who they, uh, they pushed all their chips into the middle of the table to get Matt Murray mm-hmm. is uh, Matt Murray going to be one of those guys that like you, you guys like sometimes you can be a good goalie on a good team, but sometimes you need to be like a good bad team goalie. Like Craig Anderson was a good bad team goalie. Like put that guy in 50 shots against he'll be good. Like, like Yarrow Halak always seemed to me like that's a good bad team goalie. Like just pepper him with shots and he'll be good. Yeah. What's Matt Murray going to be like in front of a, a pretty thin defense. I think we're going to find out on on Friday night. Good bad team goalie is That's the a best term, and I am stealing it back pocket. <laughs> yes. uh, their their defense, like looking at it on paper, I mean, you're absolutely right. It it seems like a pretty glaring weakness, but there's something about the sends this year, the youth, uh, the addition of skill, and just the expectations. Like, does any part of you? go you know what if they made the top four somehow it wouldn't shock me at all they just seem like the team no one's expecting well for sure if you're ever going to pick a year where uh you could make the playoffs it would be like like the the example i use is the toronto blue jays like did anybody think the jays were going to slide in and make the playoffs in the american league like no a whole bunch it was supposed to be a rebuilding year and i think the senators are very similar to the jays in terms of their trajectory when they want to be a contender still feels like it's 18 to 24 months away, right? But they all of a sudden kind of got hot at the right time, shortened season, made the playoffs. For Ottawa to make the playoffs this year, boy, like, and I guess you saw it a little bit last, like in the on opening night, Edmonton, right? Like you could totally see a scenario where Edmonton misses the playoffs. So there's one team. You could absolutely see it with Vancouver or Montreal or maybe even Winnipeg. Like there's a bunch of teams. Like I look at this and I say, uh, and, and you're going to think I'm playing to your audience here, but like, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the only team I would lock in and say 100% unequivocally, I don't see a scenario where they miss the playoffs. I just don't. Oh, every don't other past t- them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but every other team in the division, I can make an argument 
that they could miss. Ottawa would need at least two, if not three of those teams to severely underachieve. And then they would have to hit, like Murray would have to steal games and Stutzel might have to be a Calder nominee and, and Shabbat might have to become like a Norris Trophy candidate. All of, like about eight things would have to go right and then about four or five things would have to go wrong for other teams. It's a small window, but in a short and truncated 56-game season, I say never say never, right? Right, right. And on the on the subject of, of Matt Murray, what do you think he's going to do? What do you think he's capable of? This is, to me, one of the most fascinating career arcs I've ever seen out of a goalie. Matt Murray's 26, and he's got two Stanley Cup rings in his back pocket. If you look at hockey history, how many goalies have won two Cups – been 25 and been expendable like it like i i was saying this the other day like cam ward won a stanley cup early on and rode that for his entire career in carolina yeah. they were like that's our guy doesn't matter that cam ward's our guy and you only won one cup matt murray won two and was suddenly deemed ex- expendable and, and the reason why it was a double whammy for him it was first of all it was injuries like he's only played 50 regular season games once in his career. So there's like some legit questions about his durability and then inconsistency started to plague his game. And I think the minute uh, I want to say it was game five, was it not of that play in series where they went to Tristan Jerry Mm -hmm. and the minute they went to Tristan Jerry against Montreal, you're like, that's probably it for Matt Murray. If they don't believe that he can win a win or go home game uh, in, in the middle of August, then that's probably it for him. And sure enough, it was. So uh, the expectations are kind of weird. Like had they not signed him to the four-year contract extension for like 25 million, I would have said, I would have said that is pretty, you know, the expectations are pretty low, but you're giving this guy's, you know, pretty much a legit number one goalie salary. I think there's some expectations here that he had better at least be somewhere in between the goalie that had an 899 save percentage last year for Pittsburgh and the guy that had a 930 save percentage and was winning Stanley Cups for them four years ago. Yeah, I, I was stunned to see him sign for more per season than Jacob Markstrom, you know, especially after the season that Markstrom had. To answer your question about goalies and career trajectory, Cam Ward's a good one because he's actually won a cup. The guy I thought of who didn't win a cup, but he won individual trophies. Do you remember Jim the Net Detective Carey? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Washington. Yeah. What what fell off the rails for him? And you know, how do you think a goalie gets it back if you're Matt Murray? When that's that's a great but see the thing with that with uh, with Jim Carey is like he only had like the one year in Washington, right? And then wasn't he part of that crazy oats talk it? Uh, trade and then with Washington and Boston, we just kind of never, I think we never heard from him again. Um, it's a weird one. Like I'd have to go back and look and see like how many times has a goalie kind of had it early in their career and then lost it and then got it back. Like, yeah, it's a great question. Like, cause I think like, again, I'm a bit of a baseball guy. Like I think of a guy like Kerry Wood who came in was yeah. a dominant pitcher. Then it went away then, but like he hung around and he made it, but he never quite, regained it boy that's a that's a great question like there's so many goalies that have come in early on been great lost it and then but the thing with murray is he won it twice like it's not like it was a one-year aberration the guy won two stanley cups uh as the starting goalie for the for the penguins well we'll see what happens it's going to be an interesting one and if it doesn't work out they've still got four more years to go or three more years to go on that deal after this right it's a a long yeah three after this one you know it's a big bet and it's a big bet for a team that and a league right now that's a little cash trap and a team that's always been a little bit like they got to, they got to watch their margins, but good bet to make from Pierre Dorian. So, uh, uh, Ian, uh, we've got to ask you about this, this podcast too, because you guys are coming out with something and we're going to see you and Haley every week. And uh, there's some other things going on. So can you, can you let us know what's happening? 
Yeah, and I'm pretty excited. In fact, just to record another episode today with, I'm sure, I know he's a friend of your show, Down Goes Brown, uh, yes. Sean McIndoo. Uh, so it's going to be three times a week uh, that we're doing the new athletic uh, podcast. Uh, myself and Haley Salvian on Mondays, uh, Pierre Lebron and Scott Burnside on Wednesdays, and then myself and Sean McIndoo, uh, uh, Down Goes Brown. I, I, I refer to him as Sean because I went to university with him, but I forget everybody only knows him as Down Goes Brown. So um It'll be the three of us, uh, kind of a, the three shows in a rotation. Uh, if you're an athletic subscriber, it's great because you can get it without uh, listening to me do uh, ad reads for, for diamonds and coffee and all sorts of things uh, that we have, uh, diamond rings. But uh, if you don't, it's, uh, it's all good. You can, you know, the usual Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you get us. So we're pretty excited to, to launch this foray into it. As you guys know, like doing a podcast is so much fun. Like, I don't, look, I love, I love doing TV. And I love writing, but there's something about uh, the radio side of things where you can actually show off your personality and have a little bit of fun. So um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. And I think uh, I think the early reviews have come in and people seem to like it. But uh, as we saw with uh, with Jim Carrey, uh, the net detective, sometimes you can start out pretty hot and then you just disappear. <laughs> Awesome. Just give me my comparable for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Ian Mendez, The Athletic, Ottawa. Thank you so much for your time today, man. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, you betcha, guys. Anytime and uh, enjoy these two uh, Battle of Ontario games on the weekend. We will be. We will be. And we'll be tweeting you, just so you know. Be ready. (laughs) Have fun. So uh, Ian's great. (laughs) That was fun. Yeah. Uh, He's a a guy. He's had my back forever and just for no reason like he had nothing to gain from me he was just always very supportive that's cool like, wow. years and years Love and years stuff ago like just that. a great guy yeah great dude so just finishing off our coverage of the montreal uh, leafs game on the montreal side nick suzuki looks like a monster um and so does surprising alex romanoff uh, uh he, he looks really really good so and you know the whole conversation a few months ago when uh, the Leafs drafted Rodion Amirov. What the hell? That guy only had two points. I remember a conversation that we had about Romanov Mm -hmm. uh, when we were looking at his KHL stats because he's really highly touted. And we're like, all right, what the hell is going on with this guy? Two years ago, he had four points in 43 games. And last year, he had seven assists, no goals with CSKA Moscow. (laughs) And I don't don't know how much he's going to put up in the NHL, more than that. Yeah. A lot that's, more than that. That's really good scouting. Good on the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. And you know what? This is That was a fun, fun night. I can't wait. We get nine more of those matchups? Nine more times. And as Beautiful. Wayne Simmons put it, can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, now, let's move on to the Oilers and uh, the Canucks. Uh, this was, I think, a big game for both teams because there are question marks around both teams about what they're going to be able to do. Have the Vancouver Canucks taken a step back without Tanev and Markstrom? And the Edmonton Oilers, much like the Toronto Maple Leafs, didn't make it through the play-in round. Mm-hmm. Lost to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, what are they going to be this year? Um, well, you know, I know Leon Draisaitl said in the press conference, you know, people forget we were the best team in Canada last year. But again, like, it's like people have forgotten because it doesn't matter. And, and, and it's not, <laughs> it doesn't. It's not, that, it's not to diminish his accomplishment, so dry, MVP it season, but it doesn't right. matter. What are the Edmonton Oilers now? What are the Vancouver Canucks now? So we saw a little bit, what I loved anyway, of uh, on the Vancouver side, we saw a little bit of the future. Nils Hoglander, probably the best player on the ice through two periods. Um, just it, just really fun. Really, really fun to watch. Uh, and if you look at the score sheet for Vancouver, 
Besser with two, Quinn Hughes with the setup for a goal, Pedersen setting up Besser on the other, Horvat with the goal, Horvat, Besser, Pedersen, Hughes. Those are the names you need to hear if the Vancouver Canucks are going to make the playoffs this year. And Lo- sorry, go ahead. Oh, so losing JT Miller, we don't know for how long, is oh, obviously yeah. devastating for them. Losing Markstrom in the offseason, even though they got Demko and Holtby, is devastating. But I look at their roster and just the way they scored yesterday, and I'm already not feeling awesome about my Canadian division picks. The Oilers, we, we already know what their strengths are. I still don't know about the goaltending. Mm-hmm. And if Koskinen takes a step back, you're cooked. Like you're Look, in It's trouble. not going to be Mike Smith that brings you in. No. Like, so like you need Koskinen to be great or you're cooked. Um, and then with the Canucks, like, yeah, they don't have Markstrom, but like I could see a scenario where their goaltending's good. It, you know, no, they, you know, yeah, they lost Tanev, but like I could see a scenario where their defense is good. And then up front, they still got all these monsters. And then they brought in some new ones. And then once they get Miller, they'll have arguably their best forward from last season or, you know, top three. Mm-hmm. I think we might have underrated the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Well, it is one game. It um, is one, but. Brayden Holpe did look good. Jesse, you want to say something? There was here? a tweet, too, from uh, Wyshynski on, I think it was Tuesday before opening night, and he was saying a lot of the chatter from media members on uh, preseason Hart Trophy winners was Elias Pettersson. Like, he's getting a lot of love from everybody around the game because I think he's going to take this next step that nobody really, well, some people are anticipating him to do, and that's really going to push the Canucks, I think, this year. A couple well, years especially ago, the, uh, the playoffs. Right. Like in, a couple years ago the, at the Matt's Matt Sandin tournament. Remember when we talked to Matt's and he was like, that's the guy I'm excited about. Yeah. He was, you know, how did, how did, how did everyone go wrong? <laughs> that guy yeah. went fifth. How did right. everyone go wrong so quickly? Mm-hmm. Jim Benning's a great, uh, there's no question about Jim Benning scouting. And he's done a great job drafting for the Vancouver Canucks. Not crazy about his free agent signings, but Brayton Holby looked all right last night too. And that's a good sign. Now on the Oilers track, um, you have McDavid with zero points, but he had five sh- five shots. You know, eventually he's going to score. Here's yeah. my biggest thing: is obviously the Oilers know five on five that if they don't improve this year, it's it's going to cook them. Right? They need to do that. One guy that I was sort of he scored last night, but I'm I'm wondering more and more: is this guy just does he just not have it anymore? Is Adam Larson? I know he scored a goal and that sort of thing, but he does, like he wasn't good last year. Frankly, he oh. just wasn't good. And it was not a good start for him. And even if you read all the Edmonton uh, writers this morning, they're all saying Adam Larson's noticeably. And I don't know if that's if, it, if he's feet. overmatched in his position, if he's had too many injuries or if he is injured, um, you know, because Clef, Clefbaum is a right shot defenseman, is he not? Uh, he might, I don't know if he plays the right side, but I believe he's a lefty. Right. And with Tyson Berry getting most of the offensive zone time on the right side, you would think Larson's going to have to be the quote unquote defensive defenseman. The problem is they're not sure he can do that anymore. And that could be a huge problem for the Oilers. Yeah. And it's not going to be Barry defensively Oilers fans. Um, He'll put up points for you. It's not going to be him defensively. Uh, So if Larson can't do it and you know, Barry can't do it at this point, uh, you're looking at Ethan bear. And if that guy doesn't take an enormous step, you know, he's only 23. It's unfair to uh, ask. Have fun yeah. with that. 
uh, if he doesn't take an enormous step, yeah, you could you could uh, really have a problem back there. And one thing to watch too is uh, Adam Larson is in the UFA at the end of this year, and there's a bunch of guys who are coming up this year. I think it's going to be a big offseason for a free agency, but I think Adam Larson's a prime candidate for a trade deadline. Just either the Le- the mm. uh, the, Leafs. the Oilers are struggling to make the playoffs, or they're in it and they ship him off for something else. And I think he might just be either it's a uh, a non-contender who's picking up some salary cap and giving the Oilers something, or it's a contender who thinks, hey, maybe Adam Larson on our third pair is what it'll take to push us over the hump. I think there's going to be a lot of activity at the beginning of February um, because we saw there was the beginning of the season waiver stuff. There's some trickle waiver stuff. Uh, you know what? I think the Oilers are going to claim uh, Aaron Dell. Um, I do. Um, I, cause the Leafs are doing their best to hide them. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually they're going to have to put them on there and eventually they're going to lose them. Um, unless they find the perfect scenario. Um, and then I think, you know, once teams go, okay, we've exhausted the waiver wire. Um, we've seen our team for a little bit. We know what we got. We know what we don't. I think beginning of February, teams aren't going to waste time because, you know, there's all these regulations and quarantine and all that, especially if you see a team with like a four-day gap in their schedule, which like the Leafs, for example, only have one or two of. Yeah, I I think we'll see a flurry of activity there. Even more so if it's an American player or a player on an American team going to a Canadian team because you need to leave even more buffer buffer room to get them quarantined and then they need to isolate and then get them on the roster and then get them adjusted with the new game plan and all that stuff. So yeah, you yeah. definitely see the action just happening earlier and earlier in the season. Yeah, you have to make, if, if you feel like you're in trouble, you have to make your decision now. There are 56 games yeah. and now 55. If you're Edmonton, right? Yeah. You got to make your moves now. So I, I beginning of February is my guess. Wow. Really, really interesting. So uh, then we see uh, the Penguins and the Flyers. And what do we see on the first few plays? Cody CC going to the box. Flyers <laughs> score. Hallelujah. And and here's the other thing. It's I tweeted this last night, but there's a few things uh, I, I want to. It's not just Cody CC. The, flame, the, the Penguins were noticeably missing somebody who should be playing with Sidney Crosby. And that person's name is? Kasperi Kapanen. Why are they missing Kasperi Kapanen? So he's, he, he's on the COVID protocol list, right? Right, which means he's probably in quarantine because you, you have to quarantine for a bit. Do you not? You do, but is, is he on the protocol list because he had the visa issue and then he's coming from Europe? And now he's got a quarantine in the States. Is is that the problem? It's that's not my that under- he has that's it. My, no, it's not that he has it. It's that he's yeah. in just quarantining out of abundance of caution. Right. God, but, what a pain in the ass. This friggin' everything about the beginning of the season, man. Well, I also think there were a lot of players. Like if you look, uh, we, we look at the Leafs because the Leafs are the closest geographically to us. Kasperi has a place in Pittsburgh. Where was he right up until the very last moment? Now, I have wondered this, you know, and he's even got a place in Canada, right? I'm pretty sure he might have sold it. Um, I get wanting to be with your family for as long as possible. You know, I miss mine. But uh, at some point, like, dude, your gig is you play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you get to play with Crosby. And you, it's a golden opportunity I, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not his passport. 
I don't know how it works. It just feels like the situation he is currently in might have been avoidable. And I would I would hate I would hate it if it was. Mm-hmm. I would love it to be beyond his control because then that means it's not his fault. Right. From all reports, the penguins aren't upset with him. So then the, I have if they're but, not upset with him, then I don't have but they but, could be and the they're but? just not saying anything. Or well, um then there's you know, that. the thing is is that when you especially in like a COVID situation, let's just be honest, you push it, you you don't have you can do in a normal world, you can do type timelines on things and make it. In a COVID world, everything is slower. Everything. Everything. And so visa issues and things like that will slow you down. And then it's then there's a manpower problem. And then people are working remotely. So you can't get your papers processed as quickly because the internet's not working as well because the remote desktop that you're trying to work, get into doesn't work. And like we were facing that problem at work. There's no, other than Jesse and I and, and our two co-hosts and the rest of the on-air staff, there's nobody actually in the office. And so everybody's working remotely. So they have to log in from their computers to their into, inner office computer. Yeah. And it slows everything down. There's a, there's a sign on one of the computers that says you can't access this computer from like one to five because remotely somebody is using it. So like if you're in the building, you couldn't, because they need that computer. They need to do their work and needs to be done on that computer. So somebody remotely is using that. So you can't physically, even though you're in front of it, touch it because somebody's using it. Wow. It's a different world. That's crazy, man. Crazy. Crazy. So, and, and I also saw like so many Americans, for example, on January 7th, tweeting like so like do i still have to work like like after everything that happened at the capitol they're like so i'm just like supposed to like drive around and like i got to do a report and and stuff still (laughs) after yesterday it's um everything is going slower january is usually a hazy month like a lazy month anyway right Mm -hmm. who wants to work the first half of january (laughs) garbage and then we got Several moments in human history happening at the exact same time. It's been a little difficult to get work done. Well, and, and back to but to the original point is that we've had. Uh, I'm not sure how the Capitol riots went in there, but we got it in there. Uh, I got it in. <laughs> it went there. We did it. Lateness has been an issue before, so it's something to keep an eye on. And I, that doesn't mean that this is a bad person. That doesn't mean he's an irresponsible person. It might just mean he's a young person. I'm no, I'm a guy who's known for being late too. I get it. But what I'm saying is if you're if you're going to get to play with Sidney Crosby, give yourself some buffer room. Yeah. And you need it, to be on the ice. I Penguins fans just note it. That's all. Yeah. Just note it. Yeah. You don't have to go blaming them and everything. Just Now, just remember. Uh, we uh we tweet I tweeted out about uh, I retweeted one of Dmitry Filipovich's tweets yesterday about um uh, about Cody CC's defensive zone coverage on one of the first goals for the Flyers. You know, it, it may be a little unfair because it might have been Crosby's guy. It doesn't really matter. But the point right. is, what did what did the tweet say? It was it just was, basically like Cody CC's back at it, and it, <laughs> I didn't see it. I'll send it to you so you can put it in the YouTube video. It's pretty yeah, funny. Okay. But it's Reese, a funny tweet. Reese Jessup uh, disagreed with so, Jeremy, uh, Dimitri's uh, assessment. And I'm sure it was all kind of in jest anyway. The problem is, is that like I had some Penguins fans reaching out going like, oh, you can't. I mean, we don't we don't know what he is yet. I'm like, well, we do. (laughs) (laughs) And so does Ottawa. And, you know, this is the thing. Like, it's no offense to Cody himself, but it's like it's he is nervous energy on that puck. He's nervous energy in his own zone. 
you want a guy with ice water in his veins. And there's just a, there's like a, it's like the puck goes near me and he goes, no, please don't, please don't put that thing near me. Uh, and, and I just, oof, I saw more of that last night or I guess yesterday afternoon. And I meant, I thought, man, I don't understand some of Jim Rutherford's defensive moves for all the good yeah. things he's done yeah. in Pittsburgh. Two cups can't argue. There have been some Dimitri- things where you go, geez. I think Dimitri deleted it. Did he but, delete it? Oh, oh yeah. It very funny. When are we uh, going to get the true, honest opinion from Kyle Dubas on his thoughts on Cody Cece? Never. Uh, probably never. Ne- You'd have to admit he was wrong. Best, best right. case, That's best all I case in, a book, in a book 20 years from now, Jess. And even then, he'll say, but there was reasons. Because <sighs> yeah. he was well, clearly wrong. Dude, and he, I, and he tripled down on it every yeah. single time. Now, okay, Dubas was objectively wrong in his defense of Cody CC. He was super duper right in like, now they don't have him anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? They don't have Nikita Zaitsev either, yeah. which was the point. Yes. But what they were never obligated to do, not once for one moment was play Cody CC with Morgan Riley. Someone tweeted me today for the LFR video, is Zach Bogosian the new Cody Cece? And I'm like, no. first of all, new guy, can you not? Second of all, Zach Bogosian is not playing with Morgan, holy shitting Riley. Forever, for the whole season almost. What's what's the point of that? <laughs> sorry, Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm, just, I'm reliving trauma here. That was, that was, that was a tough season, man. Thankfully, Cody CeCe's not playing top line minutes in Pittsburgh either. Yeah. So yeah. less of less of a problem there than it was here. We, no, he's we behind Chris Letang. Well, Thank God, you put him in a position to fail. Like in Toronto, they just they they set him up to fail. There was no reason for it. Like I I know. Oh, we have this stubborn these numbers and that mm-hmm. numbers and he did he did like uh, Berkshire wrote an article and he's like actually Cody CeCe does this and this and this well. But the list of bad things was so much longer. Right. And like every, every single attack from the other team. Oh, Hey, weird. They're going in on the right. Like, Oh, there they go again on the right. Oh, here we go again on the right. It's uh, you know, just by making it slightly more difficult to get in on the right side, the Leafs defense is changed entirely. Well, and, and, and the fact that Morgan Riley is not worried about playing offense and defense simultaneously. Yeah, you right? have your he best, best defenseman, and he's watching the attack every time. Yeah. Like, because <laughs> it's over there. Yeah, yeah. And and TJ Brody can cover, and TJ Brody can also take over on offense. He can score points. Yeah, he can. And, like, he had a down season last year and was, like, still decently effective offensively. Like, I, I've been saying it for months, so maybe I'm not right anymore, but I feel like people are really underrating like the impact of having TJ Brody in that slot instead of, it doesn't have to be Cody CC. We don't have to pick on the guy. It's anybody else, anybody the Leafs have used. Um, but yeah, his defense partners is a sad list of players. Like uh, I think it was either Jonas or James put out an article and it was like, here are, here are, here are the past Morgan Riley defense partners. And all it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Ron no. Hainsey's the best one. Ron, Ron Hainsey is the best defense partner Ron Riley's ever had. And I'm far sure and Ron away. Hainsey would say that's not right. That shouldn't be that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ron Hainsey should not be the best defense partner on number one defenseman on a team that's trying to challenge for the cup. Mm-hmm. They should, no. You just should not be that. The and Leafs, Ron would tell you that. The Leafs had Riley Barry, and it worked because they had Muzzin Hall yes. to do the grunt work. 
Uh, and then Riley got hurt and they never went back to it. Not once. The Barry was never like I feel bad for Tyson Barry because he just too. didn't fit on the roster. No, like he's he's such a talented player, but he just doesn't work in the system on the team in the way the defense pairing just matched up, and he had to just stay here and get the like the bad side of everything. And it was like, Dub- it was it, sorry not Dubas it was Nazem Kadri's fault. Yeah, because we had, <laughs> we would have had TJ Brody, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think you know it's interesting because Tyson Barry. Uh, it's a shame that he was brought in at all. Not because, you know, we didn't want him to succeed. Obviously we did and that sort of thing. But when you look at what he brings, the Leafs already had that. They could score piles of points. That's what you bring Tyson Berry in to do. Mm-hmm. Score piles of points. And play the on the power play. Defense. Yeah. He had a great yeah. attitude about it too. Yeah, he was great. I like, don't have CC any He never really seemed bothered by the, by the, you know, criticism, chirps and all that. It still sucks. You don't want a guy's career to be tanked because it's not a good fit. Yeah, you know? but we right. were talking. Remember Tyson Berry, the extension talks were gonna be like eight over eight. Oh, yeah. Like there was huge money on the table for him last year. And then Before he had a he had a bat. <laughs> he has a bad season in bad a pandemic. Coach. Yeah, but a bad <laughs> oh. coach to start too. And yeah, that too. too. Like it wasn't just... fair what Babs tried to get him to do. He's like, no, you're you're gonna play defense now, Tyson Berry. Like, come on. <laughs> and not on like, the power play. Like imagine he throws up like an additional, let's say, 10 points in that nearly two months under Babcock, which it's definitely conceivable. Then all of a sudden he's a 50 point defenseman and you're going into free agency looking entirely different asterisk. Maybe you're not because apparently the Panthers want to trade Keith freaking Yandel. Yes. Healthy. We're going to talk about that. Yes, um, they do. Um, So, so basically, how did he do? He had he 45 points last year. So, yes, he, he he does. But from what we understand, from what I understand anyway, they are unimpressed. Keith Yandel's never been a very mobile defenseman. No one's ever been like, wow, Keith, Keith Yandel's a real water bug, really agile and moves around. He's a big, long guy who's very offensive-minded. And I believe that the Panthers are sort of done trying to cover for the defensive warts because he's not as good anymore. Right at a certain point, like in your career, you could score a pile of points. Yes, I get 45 points or whatever. Panthers were also awful last year. Somebody's got to score some points. But Keith Yandel, uh, I believe he has an Ironman streak going, and they're going to scratch him until he until they it's can like, move him. It's like 800 games or something. It seems wow. like there was some sort of fa- uh, falling out here too. There's nothing about this that seems normal. No, not at all. And like. For I, you're describing a lot of players in this league. You know, he's always not that mobile anymore and, you know, a bit of a defensive liability. Bro, 45 points. Right. In 69 games, by the way, uh, which means he was on pace for over 50. Like, okay, he has weaknesses like almost anybody else. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's enough strength to surely to make up for it, right? And it, it's like you said, something – Something stinky there. Let me look at his contract. Can I yeah, can the, I put forward a real tin hat su- tin tin foil hat suggestion? Give me a tin Panthers. hat tin foil hat. I suggestion. think the Panthers wanted to re- wanted him to retire, and he wouldn't. What? What? He's thirty four. Yeah. Or they or they thought we'll be able to move this guy in the offseason, and then the pandemic hit. Like yeah, he's I, also got, got a no move clause. He's got a no-move clause. I mean, that, that doesn't stop people. It just means he could choose where he's going, right, right. right? They paid him. They paid him a three million dollar signing bonus. Um, you know, like he is. I mean, it, the one thing I'll say for the Panthers is he is a he's a great 
trade candidate. I mean, because uh, he's only owed uh, 2.75 for the rest of the season. Then whoever he goes to has to pick up the 525 for the next two years. But you right. get Keith Yandel. Like, it's not the greatest contract in the world, but like, for uh-huh. for God's sake. Yeah. Healthy scratch. Frank Saravelli's tweet of he fell out of quote he fell out of favor with the Panthers like that means something else you know I we don't know on the outside looking what that fell out of favor actually means and I'm I'm interested to know what that is and what other teams think that is and if if it's reason enough to shy away from him right it's Mm -hmm. yes who knows maybe by like the time this podcast is uploaded we'll be like actually never mind i don't want keith handle either (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) i hear that he's just i think it's it's a defensive issue it's it's a problem and i mean when you have a 10 million dollar goaltender that you're not confident in anymore that's kind of going to be an issue yeah so and and what do the panthers love more than turnover oh Boy. They love being a team where you can never identify outside of like Huberto and Barkov and Ekblad. You never know who's playing for the Panthers any given. I'm pretty team. sure Ole Olkinen still is. He might be. Uh, maybe. Uh, who else was um, Scott Mellenby? Scott who Mellenby is, was there forever. Scott uh, Mellenby. Uh, Brett Hedekin. Zvitov. Was it Zvitov? Yeah. Do they still have Zvitov? I don't know. I miss I Zvitov. Know. <laughs> I miss Pavel Bure with the triangle shoulders. Yes. What are the Panthers doing? At any given moment, what are the Panthers doing? I know. I still picked them to make the playoffs. I still sometimes think they're, yeah. they're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. also, just, I didn't say they're bad. I just said they're confusing. Yeah. Th- yeah. Something that's not getting enough press, I think, out of uh, the Panthers is that the Stars had six COVID cases amongst players and two amongst staff, and they canceled the first two games of the season. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the other leagues, when games are canceled and there's a bunch of COVID cases, it's all this news about ah it's dire circumstances and then the nhl just canceled the first two games of the dallas stars a season and it was just like oh okay they're just moving on did they cancel them or move them well they're they're to be rescheduled okay okay i was just yeah Yeah, they've been canceled so far it's been delayed the the beginning of the season's been delayed by a week what the nba unless i missed something didn't do is completely realign the entire league uh to make this a regional issue because like uh for example like the 76ers or the celtics had an outbreak now all of a sudden you got to look at their schedule and go uh like what what do we even do whereas but because of the regional divisions like surely surely let's say the leafs had three straight games coming up against Mm -hmm. uh the jets and the jets had an outbreak Surely they could find a way to either just delay those games because it's only with one team or it's between two teams. I should say Uh, you delay those games or you just go, Hey Leafs on those dates. Instead, you're going to be playing. I don't know. Calgary or something like that. Like it, it, I just feel like the divisional realignment allows for less breakage uh, less damage to the schedule in these sort of situations. Well, the NBA know. is doing uh, like mini two game series. You know, like that was their um, fix for the schedule. So they'll do they'll be like the Raptors play two straight games versus the Lakers in LA. You know, and then they play the Clippers oh, okay. two straight games. So they're spending like four nights in LA and they play four games. So like that was their kind of fix for the schedule in case there's a breakout. Yeah, and speaking of the 76ers, they played uh, a game the other day with eight guys. 
that was their whole did they team. win no no <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah. that's that sucks yeah that sucks a lot man it's you know i i feel bad because obviously it's opening night of the nhl all the energy and the juice is there mm-hmm. but you know i've been paying close attention to the nba for a couple of weeks now or uh no, it's been on for more than a couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. A lot of the players, and maybe it's just because I'm watching the Raptors and they're having a really bad start, but a lot of the players don't look like they're having fun. Like, and and so many, so much of the the NBA is the is from a drama standpoint the most fun league to watch. But like, a lot of the drama we've been seeing is just players having a bad time. Mm-hmm. And like Kyrie Irving, just like, I don't feel like playing. And <laughs> James Harden, like, I'm literally, I'm just going to stop trying until you trade me like Vince Carter. All right. And <laughs> like, I think a lot of the restrictions on the NBA guys in terms of their, uh, when they're off the courts are really getting to their heads. Cause they're yeah. like, the rules are you're not allowed to leave when you're on the road. So you go, you go, you play your game and then you go and you sit in your hotel. Like they yeah. have the, those are the COVID restrictions. And I think a lot of them aren't taking too well to those rules and they're not too motivated to be participating the season. If this is what they have to do. Well, you know, it's, it's the reality and it's good. They're going to have to do it for the next 60 games or whatever. They got left on the schedule. That's the thing, right? Like if you don't like it now, you're really not going to like it in April. (laughs) Like when you've been doing it for four, five months. Mm. Luckily Dallas is as far as I know, the only team, really hit by it there's yeah. a few teams missing like one or two players but like dallas is I, they, I, they I, put the line combinations up today and i'm like i don't know who I got yeah a question who are they i i got a question who the fuck is having a good time right now <laughs> right <laughs> like uh, hey for two and a half hours last night i was yeah exactly but like two and a half hours other than that like who yeah. is out there going this is fucking great these guys are not missing out on anything i understand that they're like clubs and stuff open in the in in the united states and there's there's ta- there's things to do in the united states right now you know because yeah. there are lots of states that have everything wide open yeah, it's, it's not a surprise that the COVID outbreak in the nhl happened in texas no, it's not. Most it's of not. the things are open in Texas. Right. I, wor- I worry about tooting the horn but, too big on that one because I just – I Don't. Know. It's not a competition. No. It's, no. A, it's, a, it's a virus. <laughs> um, but I, I do think Fuck. everybody's got to keep it – Christ. Everybody's got to keep this in perspective, including NBA and NHL players. Yeah, you're not having a good time. Neither yeah. are the fans. So give them two hours or three hours of your time. Yeah. Try to in, try to enjoy the thing that you grew up doing so in, incredibly well, and uh, and then go back to your hotel room, play some video games, and figure it out. Like, yeah. come on, it's you know oh, how many you're gonna be okay. You're 100 percent right on that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know how many times I've sent an email like the past couple of weeks, where I've started. Hi, hope your W E delete 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 delete. And I just, I just, yeah. hi. And I get to what I was saying. Because I know you're not well. Right. Hi. Well, I should start with, hi, I know you're not well. So I was wondering about this Neither video. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's try not, that. This try that. Let me know fun. how people respond. This yeah. is not fun. The last 12 months have not been fun. We've, we've had enormous social up, upheaval. We've had a global pandemic. We've had a contentious, awful election and the fallout afterwards. None of this has been fun. 
I'm glad you listed those but, things because I wouldn't have remembered. But the reality is sometimes shit's not fun. Fucking suck it up and play <laughs> your fucking game. Jesus. There's people laid off right now. Give me a God. Give me a yeah. break. We're, we're, we're not talking shits. about being trapped indoors and you can't go to work. We're talking about you're not allowed to go to the Rippers anymore. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not allowed to go to the bar and have a beer, listen, there's nothing that I want more than to go to a bar, oh. drink pints all afternoon, and eat buffalo wings. That's all I want to do. That's all I, I want to do. I want to go to a dive bar. Yes. So I want it, And I want to drink what is like one molecule removed from antifreeze and just have wings. And like, I just. <sighs> I want to get drunk and make out. That's what I'd like to do. That's where like, that's where I'm at in the like, pandemic. Okay, with one of the with you, with, yeah, not yeah. I, not mostly us. you. Okay, uh, no, Jesse, what it, are you going to be doing? <laughs> not that. Look at you all left but out. Not it's not that. happening right now. So you got to like. I think it's just. I think it's just that like it's uh, the 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 NBA thing, uh, and if you if you ever hear NHL players, I'm sure everybody's got something to bitch about. But that's the thing. Oh, yeah. Everybody does have something to bitch about, and when you're in a position like that. Just give it a few more months, man. We're going to be there. Like we just, we get news today that there's 20 million new vaccines, I think coming to Ontario in the next two months. Like we're going to get there. It'll happen. Um, but when you hear headlines, like one of the news organizations locally here said, uh, 1% of Canadians are vaccinated at this rate. We'll have everybody vaccinated by 2037, knowing full well <laughs> that's not that not enough that vaccines works. have been made yet yeah. for the actual rate to go up. So that statistic does nothing except depress the shit out of people. Yeah. You're being a dick by saying you're being that. an asshole. You're being, <laughs> like, a, you're being asshole. a complete ignorant asshole. <laughs> yeah. What? Wait, the, the he was winning was when I went to bed ago. and then when I... You fucking dick. Stop they yelling at like you me, don't you know guys. how this works. We Shut got up. Just like two weeks ago. Like, come on, give him a minute. Jesus. So I'll yell as much as I want, Jesse. Long story short, the point is, the point is. Um, <laughs> what was uh, the point? The point is. <laughs> so anyway, the Dallas Stars. Uh, the Dallas Stars, yeah. Listen, the Dallas Stars are going to have their season. That I, I, What we could talk about, there's been a few people that have said, can you talk about that, that trade the best you can? The one thing I will say about that James Harden trade, Oh, that I would love, oh, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that, that I would love to see come to the NHL is pick swaps. So we have the right to swap first rounders with you yeah, in each cool. of these years. I think that's like, why can't you do that? Or can you? And they just haven't done it yet. You can. Um, you can. Oh, well, yeah. at least okay. So this is a very long time ago, but uh, I was doing a trade tree uh, for Rick Nash, and this is not officially part of the trade tree, but um, the Panthers. I think Nash was first in 2002, was it? Mm -hmm. The Panthers had the first pick and the Blue Jackets had the third. And uh, they did a pick swap where uh, next year you get uh, the option to pick swap, basically. Mm -hmm. So because of that, the Panthers get the third pick, they get Jay Bomeister, and the Blue Jackets get the first pick and they get Rick Nash. The next year, the Panthers have the first pick. So they don't want the so they don't want the pick swap. So they gave the Blue Jackets Rick Nash for nothing. The trade was for nothing. That you don't do that. You also get another asset. Right. Like what? Oh, and by the way, the next year, the next year, the Panthers uh, ended up trading the first pick anyway, and I believe that's how the Penguins got Marc Andre Fleury. That's a trade trade I need to do. Yeah, man, you yeah. definitely need to do that. It's, we, we've been talking about it because Talk we, about we've about franchise changing. Oh, 
Rick Nash uh, and Mark Andre Fleury, different, completely franchise altering. We we've been talking about doing trade trees during the season. It's very difficult because they're very time consuming and there's lots of games. Um, but people love them enough that we kind of have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to wait till July to do our next one, so we'll, we'll figure it out. But anyway, as far as I know, pick swaps are allowed, uh-huh. but it might be because you know it's a copycat league, and when one team gets burned on one thing no team ever wants to do it again. And so I wonder if the Nash Bowmeister thing uh, is why they don't do it in the NHL. See, I, I don't get that because teams get burned on trades all the time, yet they continue to do it. And they get burned on shitty free agent signings, yet they continue to do that too. I, like, I don't get it. I don't I understand say it was that. a smart league. No, I no, you're right. It's a copycat league. So um, just want to, before we bring Dom decision on here in about 10 minutes, John Tortorella had some comments on 97.1, the fan in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it's a show called Rothman and Ice. And basically they said, uh, they asked him about Pierre-Luc Dubois. And Tortorella said this, he wants out. He hasn't given a reason as to why he wants to leave. He should get, he should get in front of it. That's the way I think you go about your business and be the best you can be. He needs to continue to do things to help uh, his, uh, this team win and be the best teammate he can be. Or I'm not sure where it goes. It's a situation we'll go into day to day. So... <laughs> I've Go never ahead. seen a team that hasn't played a game yet so openly miserable. <laughs> he, if miserable. He hasn't, has he really not given a reason? It sounds like it. There's no way. Yarmo Kekalina has got to have an idea. Right. Well, it's like, like a, <laughs> I mean, I assume, you know, if you go to the Blue Jackets guys, you go, hey, how come Dubois wants out? They're going to they, They'll know. Mm-hmm. They'll know. And by the way, uh, you know, the praise we gave them maybe a few weeks ago. Oh, they nailed that pick. Well, did they? The guy wants out already. Like, just because he's provided good returns so far, what happens if Puyi has an amazing season and Dubois doesn't do shit because he doesn't even want to be there? Like, uh, we're not we're not there just yet. It's way too early in these players' careers. I, I it's this is this is terrible. Terrible news for the Blue Jackets. Dubois is such a good player. I think I want to say he's their number one center. He is. Mm-hmm. He's a great player. Um, I don't like. Is it not salvageable? Are they going to hold him out of the lineup? No, I don't no. think so. You would. I mean, there's try to, That would take wins away from you. No, and like, there's tons of players out there who probably have active internal trade requests that you know just to keep playing. Because they know playing, you know, gets them closer to their goal of getting traded. Uh, I don't get it. I don't know what could have happened. There's people, there there was a clip, I think it was during the Leafs Blue Jacket series, of Tortorella losing his mind on Dubois. Like, freaking out. I want to say the Blue Jackets were winning at the time. Um, But, like, Dubois is not the first player... Tortorella's ever yelled at, and Tortorella's not the first coach to ever yell at a player. So surely that's not it. Well, maybe I, it is. Maybe he's doing well and doesn't want to get yelled at like that because he's doing well. Yeah. Or maybe he wants you to perform be in and have a, and still have a shitty relationship with your boss. Right. Getting yelled yeah. at isn't fun for no. anybody. No, I don't. And it's not really effective either. No. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> maybe he wants to be in Winnipeg that badly. I, I don't know, like like we talked about, but I, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I'm very curious to see where he ends up 
and whether or not it makes any sense. No, it's Dubois for Line. You think so? Yeah. I just I, want, I can't wait to see Patrick Line on the penalty kill. Can, can I? You know, I, with Torres, okay, like this is going to drive Blue right. Jackets fans nuts. Uh, that's not enough. That's not enough for Patrick Line. There's levels to this. Patrick well, Line, he's a center that might help even it out a little bit. A bit, but it's got to be. It's still got to be Dubois and. And oh. I think Dubois is an amazing player, and it's still got to be Dubois and. Like Line for all his warts, which he worked on last year, by the way, has the touch of death. Oh yeah, the touch of death. He just scores I, goals. Yeah, scores goal. And I, the the way I look at it now, I think the Jets need Line more than they need Dubois. Uh, just the way that team is built. Yeah. Well, what what would you put? You'd put you've just gone out and got Stastny, and I know he's coming towards the end of his career, but then you just put him on the third line, and then why did you go get him? And like the and can't just be picks, and because yeah. the team is built the way it is, you know, then maybe it needs to be a bigger deal involving more players. And now you have the Canada U.S. border to worry about. So like there, there's I, another one. How how do how do you, okay? So you come up with a deal that's fair value, mm-hmm. and you're the and you're the Jets, and you go okay. How do you make up for the fact? that I will not get any of these players for over a week. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> you say that's reality. That's, and you welcome to the pandemic. Yeah. So like, here, like, let me it's look at the Adam's philosophy schedule. for NBA players. <laughs> Fucking suck it up. I don't know. Well, for anybody, like, come on, who's having a good time? Are we enjoying this? Well, Uncle Adam. No, you're, no, you're, you're not wrong. Come yeah. on. At least <laughs> you're we're not, working, man. At least we're working. Come on. Adam, how often you just put on a, pair of white New Balance shoes and look at the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> and say, that's a good grass. Yeah, it's, it's growing <laughs> good, good this job. year. <laughs> I, did some, I did some good work like today. Golf green. Show off to my friends, so, drink a beer. So, okay, the Jets have a three-day break at the end of January, uh, 27th, 8th, 9th. Mm-hmm. And they have a four-day break, February 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. Like, I, and I wonder just because they seem like the logical trading partners and that seems like the most glaring issue. I wonder if uh, there could be a deal in one of those little gaps. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Well, we'll see. Any, like Canada, us trades are so hard. Well, right they're not now. that hard. Like these are long-term, these are long moves. They're long-term moves. If I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm either of those teams that I'm going to the playoffs and we make this the the Luke PL uh Pierre Luke Dubois a PLD plus for line A trade. As long as I have him by the playoffs, I don't care. And if I'm the Columbus Blue Jackets, I'm like, I'm trying to hang on to Patrick Line A for that for the remainder of the prime of his career. So uh, I'll wait the 14 days. Actually, him coming south probably wouldn't be the issue. It's Dubois going north. And and if you're if you're Winnipeg, it's like, yeah, well, who cares? We've got center number one, Mark Shifley, and center number two, Pierre Luc Dubois. Forever and ever, Amen. That's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. That is. Uh, so that is. Like, I shouldn't I, I be. I shouldn't be saying you don't get Dubois because you have Stastny. That's stupid. Yeah. Well, no, no you're, you're I right. don't. I, I think, well, I, I was the one that said that too. I think oh. it's just more like we were talking about like, well, what do you, how do we make up for the fact that there's, you know, a 14 day quarantine? You don't. Yeah. Mm. It's 10 days it's like now. A, so oh, it's like 10? saying, how do we make up for the fact that there's a Canadian and American dollar and they're very different? You don't. <laughs> right, right. You just don't. <laughs> yeah. And you make the trade in February to win in June. Yes. You know, that's the goal. Yep. Hey, yeah. July. Wait, is the Pay attention. Is the trade deadline in like six weeks? 
No, no, it's, it's uh, March, April. Shit. I think it's I it was last week of March. Oh, okay, it must be April. Then. Hold on, maybe. Which is that's a quick Google. The last day of the regular season is May eighth. February twenty yes. fourth. Yeah. See. No. Oh. What? No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. It no, is. no, that was this past year. Oh, 2021. Okay. <laughs> no. What year is it? Are we having a good time yet? Yes. Let's fuck it up. Uh, April 12th. April 12th. So right before my oh, birthday. There you go. Fantastic. I love it. Yes. Right after Jesse's. Mm. Wow. Yeah. April 12th. We're going to see a lot of deals that day, I think. Yeah, I think so too. It'll be fun. Oh, my God. Oh, my so, God. So. Plus, a uh, good chance that a good chunk of us are vaccinated by then, or at least starting to. And that will oh. be exciting as well. Hope so, is in the air. Uh, I have bad news. The, so there's a calculator website. We've already we've already looked. Oh, <laughs> none of us will be vaccinated by that. No, no, we'll be vaccinated <laughs> in July through September. We're in stage yeah. three or whatever yeah. it is. But none of the three people by, talking into microphones right now. By we'll us, I meant the them. listening audience. There's lots of uh, lots of people who are long term care and frontline mm-hmm. workers and that sort of thing. That's what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. And, and hey, listen, I don't need to be personally vaccinated, but I do know somebody that was last week. And it gave me hope. That's so good. That's actually, um, and this is so sad as a Canadian, but like what's given me hope is all the friends and family I have in Scotland posting that they've been vaccinated. Great. Also. Because I don't know anyone here. (laughs) Also, we were talking about the NHL trade deadline. Yes. Well, I was just saying there's some hope. There'll be some trades. Has has Dubois been vaccinated? (laughs) Does Does vaccination, no, wait. Does vaccination add to trade value? <laughs> oh, it no. It might. <laughs> <laughs> Who will be the first major network to have that discussion? Oh, boy. Ooh. I need to know. That's a good question. Definitely Sportsnet. You know. <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> if you get on. vaccinated, are you able to block shots? That's the question. If you're vaccinated, is it on? You know what? <laughs> If you can block the protein used in COVID-19, mm-hmm. then you can block a shot. There you go. <laughs> From Shea Weber. <laughs> From Shea Weber. Uh, Dom Shea Weber because I'm stupid. All right, let's bring on Dom LeCision from The Athletic. Dom, can you hear us? I can oh. hear you guys. Good. Okay, yeah. boo! <laughs> Dom, this is like your 18th podcast appearance this week. How are you holding up? uh tired this is that legitimately the fifth one i have one more tomorrow but oh, wow. only the good ones only the good ones oh okay yeah. well thank you for making time for us we appreciate it um so dom uh jesse last week said uh, we were talking i believe we were talking about miko letnin and we were talking about uh the fact that you know there are there are things out there that can maybe help you translate what a european player is going to do in the nhl jesse your opinion of that was i have questions Mm-hmm. to how the <laughs> computers can judge things that humans don't even know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Tom, I think the starting point is, can you explain the models that you released like at the beginning of the season, like in the last week or so, that are predicting uh, the results and like what the players are going to do and how that works and what it says? Right. So I have a model that's based on game score, which is a stat I stole from basketball, basically. You take all the box score stats that everyone knows and loves, combine it with some analytics in a non-arbitrary way, and you put it together to get player value for every team, or every player, sorry, and then every team you add all that value up and you get a team rating and 
I used the last three years of a player's NHL career, and I sort of weighed it based on recency. So if someone had a down year last year, but was very good two years ago, someone like Johnny Gaudreau, it'll sort of be like somewhere in the middle expecting a bounce back. Whereas if someone's been in decline for two years, they'll expect a further decline because there will be some sort of age adjustment as well. And from that, I simulate the season 50,000 times to get playoff chances, Stanley Cup chances, and how many points each team should get. Where, how did you land on 50,000? <laughs> Great question. Uh, <laughs> probably got a reason. I, I don't. It seemed, it seemed big enough. And... Uh, <laughs> It's all uh, it's all done Holy automatically. Shit. It's not like I'm it's not like I'm pressing simulate, simulate, simulate. <laughs> like it's player. Yeah. Um, so basically ten thousand was too small. There was still like some deviations. If you like did it ten thousand times once and then ten thousand times again, there'd be differences between the two. So around fifty thousand was the point where the differences were small enough that I stop caring like i know there are other modelers who do like a million or so and i think that's insane who has time for that i don't (laughs) Fifty (laughs) thousand takes like 10 minutes and that's good enough for me what should be the takeaway from the results of the model because i think that's where a lot of people's contentions with the analytics community and the eye test community that's where it comes uh to a head where it's like okay what should we be taking away from the stats and what should we just trust with what we see and what we feel is going to happen it's a it's a complicated question it depends on the situation so for instance three years ago when i was doing this i would just show the average point projection. And so I had Edmonton, I think at like 93 points, this was the year they, after they made the playoffs, everyone thought they were a cup contender. And if you only saw 93 points, you would think I was insane. I hated the Oilers, all this stuff. You don't? I don't. I I like, (laughs) I like watching the Oilers. They're I think a top five team that I watch. Uh, But what I've done since then was show the range of those projections and where things can lie because in hockey anything can happen I don't think people even truly grasp that until they see after the fact that a team that many thought was a cup contender like the Sharks last year fell to the bottom five and a model can show that and show what the chances of that happening because even a team like the Leafs can have a terrible season it's just in the one percentile of potential events Uh Uh, so let me ask you this and this is going to seem like a bit of a a stupid question but probably is i'm going to ask anyway um when you when you run models like that um the the anti-analytics community uh will um will point to comments like what kyle dubas said at the end of last season when he said that cody cz was an effective player for the leafs um, can you explain to us what, where you think, and I know this is sort of, sort of an unfair question on the spot, but can you explain to us where you think you might be coming from on that? Uh, are there numbers to support something like that? And how, how is it best to use models like this in an NHL, like if from an NHL GM's perspective? Well, the Cody CC question would be an interesting one because he's someone that models hated. And then he came to the Leafs and Kyle Dubas is obviously an analytics friendly GM. So there were questions about that. And then when he makes those comments that CC was effective, there are questions. That's where using multiple years helps a lot because CC wasn't terrible last year, but he still wasn't very good. He had, he did have good defensive metrics, 
that's mostly because he played with Morgan Riley, who's a wild card who sort of has an effect on that. And knowing what CC did prior and how he wasn't very strong defensively himself, it sort of paints that picture and allows you to balance out the answer where Kyle Dubas is not wrong that he was effective defensively for the Leafs last year, but the next team signing him shouldn't expect that from CC. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I think where the conversation began for us w- with your model is so that that's good to know. So you'll take like a three year range and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, all the things you just mentioned. Miko Lettinen was a name that we brought up uh, mm-hmm. for me, the a guy who's, you know, such a potential wild card for his team and for his entire division is Tim Stutzla. How do you guesstimate, I guess, <laughs> how, how do you factor in, uh, how a player who hasn't played in the NHL yet uh, will be effective? It's a terrific question. And I, I did listen to that segment last week and I, I'm listening <laughs> to that part and I'm like, yeah, he's, he's not wrong. It's uh, oh. <laughs> the worst part of my model is players who have not played in the NHL yet because all I have is what they did in another league. And from that, I only have points, basically. That's it. Yeah. So how many points they got... The only, I think, league that I have time on ice for is KHL and I think the Finnish league, maybe Sweden, I'm not sure, but that helps a little for someone like, I think Bonov played fewer minutes than someone who would get a lot. I'm not even sure any KHL players, but anyways, I use NHL equivalency to guess how many points that player would have got in the NHL. And I compare points to GSVA and Siami wins a certain point threshold gets and that's it that is the entire outside <laughs> nhl model so some like kaprizov it's like based on what he did he's probably a second line player maybe a first line player i don't know maybe we'll find out lafreniere he's young so i do age adjust and he looks like he can be a high-end second line forward but last year i thought the same thing about capo and he was terrible so that's where there's a lot more uncertainty so a team like ottawa is a lot younger and has those players who don't have any any initial data there's a lot more variance to their projections fair enough now one of the my favorite projection that you've made by far this year is you've kind of weighted the top 100 players you craig Custance, i believe right (laughs) yeah and of course, number one on that was not Connor McDavid. It was Austin Matthews. As it should be. <laughs> now, so and it, it went over it was, well. It went over extremely well. I'm sure in Edmonton, most of all. Uh, can you when when the model spit that out? Were you a little surprised? No, like I I look at my model every day. Anytime I input new data, I see what it does. And over the last year, it started liking McDavid a little bit less. And what that means is. He's not overwhelmingly number one, according to the model. And the only reason for that is his defense, because if his defense was just average, he would be number one by like a win. It wouldn't be even close. He'd be in his own tier. That's where he was two years ago. But his defensive numbers have dropped a little to the point where it's now a conversation about who the best player in the league is. And it's probably still McDavid. He has the stronger resume. He is very exciting. He has all the talents in the world, but Matthews and McKinnon, they don't have those defensive question marks. They aren't as good offensively, but they have a more complete game right now. 
And the entire thing with the rankings that me and Craig did were, was that it wasn't a ranking, it was a, a tier. So usually when you see these top 50 rankings, it's like Kale McCarr, number 20, Quinn Hughes, number 32. And it's like, is there really a difference between those two players? What does 22 mean? What does 30 mean? And that's sort of why we tiered it. We've copied that idea from Seth Part now who did his NBA tiers as well. And it just makes more sense. And I know Steve does his prospect pyramid and uh, he's, he's, I see your face. I see your face. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you in, invented tiers, but I'll give you credit. <laughs> I invented the pyramid too. Yeah. I was there thousands of years ago. <laughs> but it's the, it's the same basic concept where you, you're, you're basically splitting hairs and if someone likes a player more in one tier than another in the same tier, then you know what? That's a fine argument. I can see it. And if it's a player from one tier compared to one below, then, then we're fighting. That's basically it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dom, um, I know that you hate all 31 NHL teams, soon to be 32, <laughs> and all of their fan bases. But uh, if you have a model, well, sorry, not if you have, what has your model said, if anybody hasn't read it yet, and I know that you can check it out on The Athletic, but um, uh, what has your model said about the best teams in the NHL this year? Who is tier one? Tier one for the NHL is probably Colorado, Tampa, and Boston. They're probably going to win their divisions. It won't be, it probably won't be very difficult for Colorado and Tampa Bay. I know Colorado lost on opening night, but they should be fine. That's probably the top three teams. And then you can make an argument for Toronto only because of their division and the path should be easy. If they were in the Atlantic, they wouldn't be in that top tier, but because there's five other teams below them that are decent but flawed and then also ottawa which is just a bad team there's going to be i don't know if you guys heard that that was my dog is your dog dog a sense fan Uh, maybe i I hope not i didn't raise her that way (laughs) so so that's so so toronto's path is a little bit easier because of the competition in their division yeah it's basically what vegas has gone through the last two years or maybe not, maybe last year more so than two years because before San Jose was at least good. But last year, Vegas had the same path Toronto has now where they had Edmonton, Vancouver, and Calgary as their main contenders. And those teams are fine, but they're probably not contenders. They're probably just playoff teams. Right. And now Vegas has St. Louis and Colorado in their division. It's sort of like Toronto in years past with Tampa Bay and Boston ahead of them, where I think that tends to skew people's perception of the teams. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess, so who do you think, and this is, who's going to do the San Jose? Who's going to fall the hardest this year? Washington. I've been saying that. I, I don't understand why people think this is still a contender, and I don't even think it's that hot of a take. I've talked to analysts with... <laughs> also a Caps fan. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, I've talked to people with NHL data, and they also aren't high on the Caps either. I don't know if this is the year they collapse, but this is the year they're vulnerable, and they have a coach who is preaching north-south hockey, which is the opposite of what makes the Caps function. So it'll be interesting. I think a lot of people missed that last year their top six wasn't very good. They were all, I think, break-even in terms of goals and shot share at five on five 
their power play was below average for the first time in like a decade. So they're old and vulnerable. And that's my San Jose pick. Wow. Well, Dom, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much for making time. We know this is podcast five out of 600. So thank you for making time for us today. And I know that this is like a really busy time for the season for you, but we will be checking in with you as the season goes on. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Great to finally have you on. Well, it was a relatively mild affair between Dom and Jesse, but I feel like I'm brewing. I I didn't want to bring up my, my point that he can't refute. Oh, you can't just do this now after he stops. <laughs> you shoot a man in the back. I didn't, didn't want to. I didn't want to embarrass him, but I'll, I'll, oh. I'll dissect it. I'll dissect it right now. All right, here we because go. Because over the weekend, I watched Jared Goff with uh, without a finger, without a thumb, I should say, on his throwing hand, mm-hmm. grip a football, and lead the Los Angeles Rams with a great defense to a win over the Seattle Seahawks. Over the summer, I watched the Los Angeles Lakers win an NBA championship in a bubble. I watched the Los Angeles Dodgers win a World Series championship. And as many, if you want to run 50,000 models, you want to run a million models, they can't account for LA's got magic this year. And I picked the Kings to make the playoffs because there's something in the water in Los Angeles. And tell me how the computers can sniff the water and taste it, that there's a winning (laughs) culture in the city of L.A. And they're going to pick the Kings to make the the playoffs. Like, you know, Jesse's right. The computers aren't going to do that. But I I am here to do that. I'm sure we all remember a miracle on ice. When they say, if we play them 50,000 times, they might win 48,647. <laughs> not tonight. <laughs> All I'm saying is I might outsmart the computers every now and again. The Kings are taking on the Wilds tonight at 10 o'clock, so I guess we'll get our first look at Jesse Blake's LA Kings. <laughs> a weird place to plant your flag, but okay. <laughs> I, I, I've, seen, I've seen what 2020 does to LA, and it's been very kind to them. Do you know how many DMs I got about that LA pick? Like people are like, "Well, I thought you were crazy for picking Winnipeg, but then uh, Jesse was picking the Kings. Like that's insane." What? A- All I Jesse got was did, people on my side. Jesse did pick in 2016-17 the Leafs to make the playoffs. Well, we were all like, "You're out of your mind." <laughs> Matthew's first I don't, year, I don't first that. year, you did pick that. Right. You said they were going to make it. So there you go. Um, do we have time for a press conference, gentlemen? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Questions. yeah. Let's do it. Let's get some questions in. All right. I'm getting warmed up. I'm excited. Let's get some real good ones. Um, so David Schumer on Twitter pointed out that this was the first Leafs game in a number of years where Clarkson and Horton weren't on the roster. Oh, <laughs> since 20, since the start of this podcast. No way. Yeah. Clarkson oh my God, you're before right. the podcast even started. Yeah, that we've never not had one of the two on the on the roster. This is a historic podcast episode. This is this is really <laughs> this is the first time. This one. Oh, so <laughs> that's so why <laughs> they got eliminated by the Bruins in 2013. Yeah, and we, and we did started a few, the show just after that. Yeah, we started the show conference final. Yep. And then the the Leafs signed Clarkson. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Holy it's the first time. Shit. Yeah, first time the Leafs have been playing. That's crazy. Banana sandwich. Wow. Wow. Have the Leafs been paying Mikhail Grabowski the entire time we've been doing the show? I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah. Are they? Because yeah. they're still right. That's still an underrated quote. When they asked him when he got bought out, and they asked him about Randy Carlin, and he's like, he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh <laughs> Jesus! Well, because like, wasn't he at his own wedding when he got bought out? Really? What? Oh my God. I think he was, wasn't he? Oh, wow. I remember they had Berkey on Sportsnet just to interview him, and they said, "Hey, because he Berkey was still working in the league," and yeah, said Brian, would you would you have bought up Grabowski? He's like, "No, I wouldn't have bought up Grabowski." No. Like, uh, he. Loved he is uh this is his last year of the compliance buyout he's making uh 1,791,667 did it have to end with 67 it did (sighs) wow uh next question comes from wesley smith if freddie continues to play subpar how quickly do they pull the trigger on campbell starting continues (laughs) guys Guys, I we're so far away from that. That or he has to play especially terrible. I don't if he's playing January, February 2020 Freddie hockey, uh, I don't see it more, I don't see it lasting more than about 10, 15 games. They don't have time to wait. What no, that's true. They don't have time to wait, but like everyone makes fun of me for my allegedly irrational love of James Reimer. Jack Campbell comes in here and plays six games. Has never been a starter ever, and everyone's just taking the 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 net away from Freddie. How does that make any sense? Well, I think it's it's more along the line. It's more less about Jack Campbell's play, more about Freddie's. Right, right? like so. It's more Freddie about lighting him, a fire. Well, will Freddie play himself out of the spot? Like Jack Campbell's had Jack Campbell had great numbers on a horrendous LA Kings team, like he a did. last place team, and he was like, was he nine? In the 920s and save percentage or something like that? I forget what it was, but it was very, uh, very good. At the beginning of last season, I want to say he was a 900, but like quick was like an 860 or something. But the like he was before when they were still also bad. Yes, he no, he was very good. So that's very good. So the thing is, is that there, there obviously is something there, you know, at least as a backup goaltender. I don't think to be to answer the question, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Freddie will figure it out. Uh, you got to remember too, this is a contract year for Freddie yeah. in a depressed market, so um, he's got to play well. He's got to play well. There's a lot of money riding on this. He expected to get a raise from the five million dollars that he was making, and I, I think we were asked at the beginning of uh, the 2019-2020 season, which was last season, which is unbelievable. We did a, a live broadcast and did a not a live broadcast, but like a um, an in person with the beer company we were working with at the time. And somebody asked, you know, what are they going to extend Freddie for? And I said, they're not. Yeah. They're not going to extend them. And I still don't think that they will. Um, I think that they're, you know, you, I guess you could, and probably the timelines on everything has changed. Uh, but the, the reality is Freddie is getting older and he wants a Markstrom like deal. That's the kind of deal Freddie Anderson is after. He's got to perform big this year. If he doesn't, he'll end up with a less than Braden Holpe type deal. He can get it because, like, if he, he can, let's sure. let's say he let's say he's got like a nine fifty somewhere between nine fifteen and nine twenty, mm-hmm. then he can point it last year as the anomaly, which one hundred percent because he's been great. There have yes. been moments where he's never been great in the playoffs. <clears throat> never. No. Never. Never been on the greatest team. In the true, playoffs, but very yeah. true. But come on, I mean, he's been beaten every playoffs. Put it that way. Yes, he's not yeah. been the best goalie in any series he's played. And I say that as a fan of Freddie, who loves yes. Freddie and wants Freddie to win a Stanley Cup. Here, that's yeah. That's just there was. I can't remember if it was 2019 
or 2018 that Rask was for the first part of the series terrible. And I'm just watching going, this is it. This is your shot. <laughs> and they couldn't do it. They, they couldn't, couldn't do it. Now, do it. Interestingly too, the, the narrative around Freddie Anderson is going to change throughout the year. Cause here's the, here's, here's what's happening now. How long uh, will we have Freddie's uh, bad play before we'll switch him out for Jack Campbell? If the Leafs go beyond the first round, do you think for a second that the only conversation, there's not going to be any conversation other than Freddie Anderson's a UFA. So even if they win the cup, Oh, they're screwed. That's so we could literally go from talking about Freddie Anderson being replaced to Freddie Anderson cup contending team. And Oh my God, he's going to leave next year. What are they going to do? That's where we're at. And that's how quickly narratives can change. I think that both are possible this year. Uh, I think chances are you see a little bit more of Freddie going and getting back to what Freddie's done and going after a big contract, which he should. Mm -hmm. Next question. Yes. Oh, sorry. Next. Oh, no. Steve. Yeah. Next question. Uh, it's for Adam specifically, but Steve, I think you can weigh in if you want. Your name's on the show. Okay. Uh, why does Leafs mainstream media treat every game like it's not being watched in the Leafs region? It's from Brian Murphy. That was a little interesting. Okay. So, so your your mic's starting to sound a little muffled, Jess. Just oh, ahead. Sorry. Um, I don't understand the question. Yeah. So, Brian asks, why does Leafs mainstream media treat every game like it's not being watched in the Leafs region? I guess uh, Brian's complaint is a little um, with they their expectations of the fans is that they um, or they're appealing more to the Leafs fans outside of the market, like the other teams and the rest of the the rest of the country, as opposed to, hey, this is on the Leafs regional network, like everybody watching the damn Leafs fan like appeal to us. I can answer that. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, it's so, for you, Adam, specifically. Well, I can, I can answer that. So from a yeah. broadcasting perspective, and Steve, please weigh in on this. Uh, most Leaf games are national games. So you can't treat them. And I know he said specifically regional, um, but uh, most Leaf games are national games. They are playing usually to a national audience. They play every Saturday night. They played almost every Wednesday night last season until the pandemic. There's a reason. And that's because the ratings are sky high in comparison to other other teams because the population here is just flat out bigger and lovely fans or hate them. And I'm sure most people who are not Leaf fans hate them. The reality is the passion for the Toronto Maple Leafs is enormous. It's just an enormous brand recognition within the market. Everybody I knew was watching the game last night. Everybody, every Insta story I clicked on, even people that are not necessarily hockey fans were still watching the game because a we're stuck inside and there's nothing else to do. And B it's the Toronto Maple Leafs and it's a big deal. And I think uh, the reason that they just so so that would be on a national level, you can't be like a Leafs homer um, for that reason. And I think the other thing is, is that um, if you're talking in terms of content, and I think that might be where you, what you're hinting at as well. Like, are we are we you know, are we appealing to a new market? Are we appealing to Burlington? Are we appealing to Niagara? Are we appealing to is that is that is that the sense you guys got of that question? Because I'm not 100 percent sure on that part of it. Um, what I am getting from it, basically, like, I, I think, is it Brian, you said? Yeah, it's Brian, the question asker. Brian feels like Leaf games don't ever seem catered towards Leaf fans. Is that what he's trying that's to say? The, that's the sentiment yeah. of the tweet I got. Well, I think, so. I, I, yeah, I think that's a fair point. Well, I, I'm willing to bet Brian is one of the people asking us to sign the Joe Bowen petition. 
and <laughs> and like i like yeah. listening to joe bowen games i when i'm in the car uh i listen to him on the radio i like it because i'm a leafs fan fans who are people who are not fans of the leafs would not be able to physically stomach that <laughs> of course. like that's because, why he'd only be on a regional broadcast right yeah it's like imagine Jack Edwards was a national broadcaster for Bruins games. <laughs> You'd throw up into your lap if you were a yeah. fan of the Flyers or Penguins or whatever. Um, I, I will say this, like, you know, I can't talk about the broadcasts really because I'm not on them except for the commercial that you saw 30,000 times. But um, the like trade trees, for example, or, or stuff that I do on the uh on the sportsnet youtube channel like i know anytime i mention the leafs at all even if it's totally relevant i'm gonna get roasted for it and then i'm gonna say a bunch of stuff about the flames and i'm gonna say a bunch of stuff about the habs and i'm gonna say a bunch of stuff about the canucks and oilers and then i'm gonna have to say something about the leafs again and it's going to completely reset and it's leafs net and toronto <laughs> sports network and just <laughs> uh-huh it's from it you got to think of it like this brian um so you're a you're on a national broadcast one of the sports guys you're your tsn your Sportsnet, and you um you you can like tim and sid take shots especially sid takes shots at the leafs i'm willing to bet sid grew up a leaf fan a big leaf fan uh sid's not an unpassionate person uh but uh all the shots that he takes at them are legitimate a because they deserve it they haven't achieved anything and b uh the reality is on a, on a show like that if you're trying you have toronto toronto's already watching you're trying to get the rest of the country right and so like that's that's the thing is that it, you know we talk about gearing gearing towards leaf fans dude you could you could put almost anything on at intermission leaf fans are going to watch it because leaf fans show up for the games they do so you almost don't even need to. You're trying to reach out for, especially if it's an all-Canadian matchup, the fans of the other team who may feel disenfranchised because the Leafs, believe it or not, suck up a ton of oxygen and you have to be fair to the other markets. And, and especially, you're going to see a lot of that in the Canadian division this year. You're going to see a lot of focus on the other team because I can tell you that TSN and Sportsnet go out of their way bend over backwards to not overdo it on the Leafs. And I know it feels like to other fans that they do and that you're going to call me crazy, but they are absolutely trying to keep this as balanced as possible. But the reality is the populations aren't balanced. There are more Leaf fans. There just are. I wrote an article about the Oilers making the playoffs in 2017 and all their fans in the comments told me to fuck off. <laughs> how you were happy for them as a and Leaf fan. It was literally about how you know what you've suffered for a long time and you deserve this and it was go fuck yourself <laughs> and i'm we like okay <laughs> well and then the next article i write is leaves and the same people commenting on that one go why the fuck are you talking about the leaves yeah it's complicated in would, would you like me to just go and die then like i guess i just can't write about anything what i would like, there's jesus there's, at the moment there are a few things that i'd like to model go to the therapy <laughs> <laughs> at the moment there are a few things that i would want to model after the americans but one thing i will do is will say is when america talks about la and new york everybody just accepts that they're bigger 
And I know that there's a, there's a bit of a rivalry between Chicago and New York, but there is not a rivalry, to, rivalry between New York and Chicago, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's like, is there a not, vocal? It's not a, it's people are not like, people in Iowa are not going, I'm so tired of hearing about the Los Angeles Lakers. Why can't you talk about the Buckeyes? Or, uh, you know what I mean? It's not. In, in the middle of, of May, when there's no football, you'll turn on ESPN and the first thing they'll start with on a new show is, hey, the Dallas Cowboys uh, threw a football into a trash can. Yeah, Because that's the exactly. biggest thing in America. Yes. The, yes. the NFL and then the Dallas Cowboys, and they will talk about it 365 days of the year because they know that's their biggest audience. And what about Dak's what, contract? We talk, right. We a year of Dak Prescott's fucking contract. And that, Skip like, Bayless will hammer that nail until it's into the wood. <laughs> no, know? but Jesse, Skip, Skip always apologizes for it, though. What do you mean? What? No, he's, he's always like, sorry, I talk about the Cowboys all the time. Oh, wait, no, he doesn't. He just fucking does it because it pays <laughs> yeah, the bills. Right. Exactly. It, it pays, pays the bills. The bills. Yeah. Bingo. There you go. <laughs> Whereas in Canada, I wrote an article <laughs> about Tobias Lindbergh that was top five of the entire website. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the numbers you haven't. Also, um, <laughs> underrated thing in this market is Blue Jays. Like you, oh, you yeah. can talk about yeah. the Blue Jays sometimes and it just spikes numbers. People yeah. are really passionate about that team and there are a lot more fans than you would think. And Rolling. it's a Canada-wide thing with the Blue, yeah. Blue Jays. So that, that, the Blue Jays and the Raptors are interesting because from a sports perspective, they're all we have. And so it's very interesting. If we had a Grizzlies, if we had an Expos, you'd start to see more pot shots at the Raptors and Jays. Mm-hmm. You would just yeah. because because they're because I think broadcasters broadcasters recognize there's a huge population differential and we got to even it out somehow. I would do the same thing. Listen, I've taken shots at the Leafs on this show specifically because they deserve it. What have they accomplished? So if you're worried about you know gearing things towards a Leaf fan, I mean, there's this great show I like called LFR. Uh, <laughs> definitely geared towards Leaf fans. Check it out sometime. That's what I would say. It's not you know unfortunately in Toronto as much as we want everything to be about us. Not every broadcast is going to be about the Leafs. And even when, even when the Leafs are playing, they're going to make an effort not to talk about the Leafs because there are other things going on. That's why. Yeah. Can, can you wanna, but... Do you want to talk about uh, Victory Baby and the fact that you won't do it? Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> the people are I love this idea. Baby. Why won't you do this? <laughs> because my child is not a prop. But yeah. Well, not... <laughs> people listen, are like, like, I can't throw a treat at my six-month-old and have him catch it in his mouth. Like, what if he's asleep? <laughs> like, come you know on, what? man. No, Jesse, my kid is not a prop. For there's God's a reason sake. why you're the best producer in the world. You're oh, the best producer dude. in the world. Because we Thank know you. Victory Baby <laughs> would outstrip Victory Puppies all day. All day. Sure and then it would be Victory Toddler, Victory Child, yep. Victory uh, 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 teen. Teen, who's a bit yeah. awkward, and then Pimply. victory angry teenager, and then victory teenager who hates his father. Well, because he's that's... been objectified for a decade and a half. That victory was... drug problem. No. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Oh my god! <laughs> we might get to that point. I don't know. You know what, Steve? Your your kid's gonna hate you when he's a teenager, anyway. So, like, we might as well use him. Ah, uh, you know you That's sold what you me. Sign up for as a parent. No one likes their parents when they're teen years. Come on. You know you, you no, you sold me. Yeah. <laughs> Leo, get down here. You know what? Here's the thing. Leave a comment. All right. And, and in the, uh, Jesse, actually, can you make a comment? 
on this video and just say who's down for victory babies and who's down for victory it. babies okay? yeah. like, so like this comment for victory babies <laughs> okay we're gonna make victory babies a thing <laughs> no we're not yeah. <laughs> but but the people want it steve well you know why you know we gotta cater to those people we do we do so victory babies let's uh let's see it in the comments everybody uh hit us up all right well listen that's it for us today we love you we will be back <laughs> and into our new schedule on monday we've got a couple uh leaf games to talk about this weekend the sends and leaves twice friday saturday and obviously all the other stuff going on in the nhl um and uh yeah like guys we're rolling now we're gonna be like this till the summer this is crazy I'm ready. I'm excited. Oh we talked about a game. Like, yes. How great we is that? We talked about several. <sighs> and babies. And we had Dom on, too. It's cool. Andy, it was a good, good episode. Anyway, we will see you on Monday. Mondays and Thursdays from now on. We love you. See you later. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.